This podcast is brought to you with the Jewish News, Britain's most popular Jewish newspaper and website. My guest today held the most important job in Israel beneath the Prime Minister, answerable only to him. He was director of the Israeli security service Shin Bet, an abbreviation of Sherut Habitachon HaKlali, its motto, the Unseen Shield. He is Yaakov Perry, who held the role between 1988 and 1994 after a lifetime career in the service which began in 1966. He held responsibility for the Northern Command in 1978 before returning to head Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria in 1981. During his time in charge, he made changes to the organisation to accommodate learnings from the Intifada and the Oslo Accords. In 1987, he was appointed deputy, and the following year, he was made director. Shinbet is completely apolitical, independent of any government ministry. But after a career in public service parallel to the political process, Yaakov was elected to the Knesset in 2013 with Yesh Atid, and was made Minister for Science, Technology and Space. He stayed in politics until 2018, but resigned after a TV investigation claimed he'd hidden the fact he'd never served in the IDF. Yakov plays the trumpet and explains how that can help train the mind of an intelligence chief. He assesses one of the biggest changes in his successor's roles, the impact of technology on intelligence. He predicts the outcome of the next Israeli election. And on the basic laws revision called Nation Law, his opposition and concerns about the inequality of citizenship that it might make. As a former minister with science, technology and space among his responsibilities, he marvels at the Israel to the Moon project. And he unpacks the possibility of the New State Solutions peace plan with Palestine, including President Donald Trump's ideas. But first, with Gaza facing an internal humanitarian crisis and rockets falling on Tel Aviv, he outlines his thoughts. Rogue state Qatar is bundling tens of millions of dollars into Gaza in sacks and suitcases. Israel wants it stopped. Weekly battles with the Gazans on the border, the balloons of destruction, the fire that destroys agriculture and cattle and endangers lives, constant rocketing, and they can reach Tel Aviv. Well, it's one of the biggest problems Israel's facing nowadays. Egypt, Qatar, and some Gulf countries are heavily involved in trying to push them back and not to be involved, and all the burden is on Israel's shoulders. Uh, They uh, decided to... uh, try and to squeeze the Israeli uh, government in order to let the Qatarian money to be transferred into Gaza. And they have succeeded, unfortunately, to uh, um, allow two shipments, uh, every shipment of $15 million. Now there is on the stage $20 million, and Israel suspends the shipment of the money. So they declared that if Israel will not allow the 20 million 
to go in, they will upgrade and upgrade the balloons, rockets, uh, and the demonstrations on the fence. And this is 20 million pounds electronically delivered or in cash? How does... In suitcases? The suitcases. It uh, grabs a lot of critics, criticism from Israeli uh, public and, and political uh, arenas. From one side, Israel wants silence. Nobody is really interested in confrontation now. But from the other side, uh, if Israel will not uh, let the money to go inside, we are on the edge of a uh, military confrontation. Again. Yeah, yeah. And nobody can find the real solution because of the Hamas terrorist organization which is ruling Gaza, because of the problematic relations between Gaza and the Palestinian Authority. Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Abbas, wants to re-dominate at least the passages and law and order in Gaza. The Hamas is not interested, and Israel is, you can say, in the middle. And it's a very, very sensitive and a very, very uh, um, explo- explosive situation. It is sensitive, Yaakov, beyond the borders of Israel for, should we say, the House of Israel, the Jewish communities around the world, because any future conflict between Israel and Gaza will be bad news for the Jewish communities who are embattled by the new Democratic Party in the United States, by Jeremy Corbyn over here, and of course the big Islamic community in France, and many, many other centers of Jewish life. You're absolutely right. Uh, We are having a very, very uh, difficult and hard criticism by Britain, uh, Corbyn in the head, um, and even the Trump administration wants to try and neutralize the uh, explosive situation uh, which is uh, now in the Gaza Strip. Israel, from one side, defends our borders, Jerot, Ashkelon, etc., and the villages around the border. From the other side, Israel is criticized because of the amazing bad humanitarian situation in Gaza. The uh, unemployment is more than 60%, uh, no water enough, no electricity enough, which Israel supplies. And we are on the edge of either a humanitarian crisis plus a a military confrontation. So the uh, situation is unbearable and we have to find a solution. Egypt is trying to find a solution, but Egypt is doing it for its own interests, and the Israeli interest is less of important to Egypt. So uh, probably the solution will be a temporary solution in which Israel will surrender, probably, and let the money go in. It will grab criticism both from Israel and outside Israel, but it will give probably a temporary solution for a uh, while, for a couple of months. The narrative is that the Gazans are embattled in their little land. The humanitarian crisis is there because there is a siege 
When is it going to be communicated that Hamas must take responsibility for their own people's suffering? I think that Israel is doing its best to uh, tell the world who is the Hamas, what are their targets and the way they are behaving. But the world generally is not buying it. The Israeli siege is from security reasons. Ashkelon is five kilometers or four kilometers from Gaza. And they, um, if we are going to open the siege, it will harm, I mean, in a way that Israel almost will not be able to control it. So you have to find some interim solution which will give a kind of uh, uh, stability for a short period. The new solution of an independent state can change the trend of behavior, but then we will have another problems between the Palestinian Authority, Egypt, uh, um, Palestinians and Israel. And they, um, everybody waits no nowadays for the Trump's plan. Personally, I don't think it will bring the uh, answer or the solution. Yaakov Perry, born in 1944 in Tel Aviv, was the eighth director of Shin Bet, but the first one actually born in Israel. I am the first Sabri. You know what Sabri? Sabri is a nickname for an Israeli who was, was born in Israel. And yes, I was born in Palestine because in 1944, Israel wasn't founded yet. It was founded in 1948, and I was the uh, first Israeli born to uh, be the director of the Shimbe. My great uncle went to Palestine, to Haifa, and that's where he lived until his dying day. So uh, I had family who also came to Israel in the late 30s. You're also an orchestral trumpeter. I picked this little nugget up off Wikipedia, yeah. and I'm delighted to hear that it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true, and I must tell you that I found that there is a many similarities between music and intelligence, and I'll tell you why. Please. Because if you want to be a successful musician, you have to uh, work on a daily basis very, very toughly, and uh, to have a... Um, I would say an excellent uh, um, uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have to be creative, to know either as a soloist to play for yourself and in a core orchestra how to team with other members. And we, if you are comparing just these three elements to intelligence, it's almost the same. Either you are a um, um, lone wolf or you are working with a team and you have to cooperate and to compromise and you have to be very, very creative and a lot of uh, hard, hard and very, very tough discipline. So you headed Shinbet for six years, a massive remit for security, safety, counter-terrorism. I was recruited to the Shinbet in 1966 and I served till 1995, 30 years, seven years of my uh, service, I was the director. The last seven years, I was nominated in, 1960, in 1988 by uh, the late Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir, and then he was replaced by the late Yitzhak Rabin, and I served under him three years. 
and I retired nine months before the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin. And this job really is the highest job in Israel. I mean, you are, you have the ear of the Prime Minister. You report only to him. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we are reporting only to the Prime Minister. And, of course, we are giving uh, briefings to the Cabinet, to the government, uh, to certain ministers. But the um, organization is an independent one, apolitical. We are not involved in any political manipulation or, or maneuvers. And they, um, it's a service that went to or came to a degree which is sometimes imagined. And, of course, I cannot tell all the secrets, but the Israeli Shimbet managed to fight terrorism, Islamic terrorism, Fatah terrorism, a, a international terrorism, in a very, very high percentage of success. And uh, we have built a whole theory, a whole, uh, I would say, um, uh, school or education of how to beat terrorism, how to deal with it in a liberal way. It's learned and taught by our experts all over the world. I may have been on the other side of a conversation you may have had, mm -hmm. uh, because this rings with another interview I did once with Colonel Richard Kemp, yeah, I know. who rushed to a hotel to meet someone high up in Israeli security to talk about... Yeah. Such issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it you? Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I um, yeah, it was me, and it was really a uh, very, uh, would say, um, a wonderful conversation between experts. Uh, yeah, I remember it. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, you must know some extraordinary things, which you will never be able to tell. You'll have to take them with you to your grave or perhaps deliver them to the highest echelons of Israeli power at the right time in the future, so that when you do speak about things, they are very measured and, I think, probably very important to listen to. Well, I, I don't know if it's important to listen, but it's right. You are absolutely right in the, on the fact that, the, uh, yeah, first of all, uh, I have to be very measured and the uh, secrets or things that are still ongoing cannot be revealed because the enemy is listening, mainly um, when the BDS and other movements are uh, working on it on a daily basis. But uh, still, my knowledge, my colleagues' knowledge on the Middle East, on terrorist organizations, uh, way of thinking, acting, etc., is one of the highest in the world. I have to admit. <laughs> it's good to hear. In a sense, you can never retire, can you? Truly. Oh. You know, your experience is always required. Insight from the time that you ran Shinbet is required today, even if things move on. Yeah. I just told my uh, friend yesterday night that during the last 30 years after my retirement, the service or the services went gradually high, 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 mainly because of the development of technology. Uh, we have uh, been 
very much interested in human intelligence. Now, human intelligence is less important. Now, technology, which serves uh, and gives tools to uh, the intelligence, is much more, uh, um, I would say, in use, usage, yeah. Now, among your, going back to human intelligence now, um, among your recent comments, you said prior to being recruited by Iran to spy on Israel, disgraced ex-minister Gwanen Segev was a mm. kidnapped target of the Lebanese Hezbollah group. Right. Obviously, we know they're an Iranian proxy. Segev was designated as a recruiting target by Iranian intelligence, and luckily, he was not Elhanan Tenenbaum and didn't engage in dubious deals in the Persian Gulf. How and why did you say that? <laughs> uh, First of all, uh, about Elhran Tenenbaum, after my retirement at 1995, uh, the late Rabin asked me to uh, take on my shoulders a uh, job which is being responsible or the coordinator of the Prime Minister to MIS, Missing Israelis in soldiers, soldiers in War. And in my job, which I did for five years, till 2000, Elhanan Tenenbaum was captured by the Hezbollah because he went to do a um, business, kind of business, in the Gulf. And it was a trick, a, 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 a trap that the Hezbollah put to him. And Elhanan Tenenbaum was a, a guy who made a lot of uh, military service as a reserve. And uh, he uh, was quite knowledgeable about secret plans of the uh, Israeli uh, army. We worked quite hard to release him from prison, from the Hezbollah uh, capture, and uh, it took us quite a big time to uncover what he has told to the Hezbollah. Golen Segev is another kind of character. I knew Gonen Segev when he was a minister in the government. He is a very, very, um, I wouldn't call it a strange character, but a uh, unique character. A doctor, a children doctor. <coughs> he is coming from the same village that Raful, Rafael Eitan, came. And uh, he was quite uh, strange while he was a minister. And then it turned out that he uh, made a uh, business in smuggling drugs like candies, like ecstasy, to Israel. And he was sentenced for 10 years or something like that. And he was insulted because of the uh, uh, way that Israel uh, hit him. I mean, uh, um, and he ran away, he immigrated to Nigeria. And in Nigeria, he uh, lived with a German lady and was a kind of a businessman, kind of a voluntary doctor to the embassy, the Israeli embassy in Nigeria. And then he was approached by the Iranians. And they, uh, he was last sentenced for 11 years uh, in jail after a kind of an agreement he made with the prosecution. Plea bargaining. Uh, yeah, plea bargaining. And the, um, the guy is a... Uh, I wouldn't call him a honest... And a, a, uh, he's a... Uh, he played 
with uh, his life. I cannot say that he sold secrets in a level that endangered, endangered Israel. But the fact that uh, the Iranian uh, managed to uh, um, recruit mm-hmm. an ex-Israeli minister is for the Iranian intelligence a success. There are going to be people like that in the population, aren't there? People who are either reckless or malicious mm-hmm. that you have to keep your eye on um, and you have to make a judgment on their actions and why they do them. Look, Israel is a democracy. We are not following on a daily basis all the population, mainly the Jewish population in Israel. But yes, a, uh, in intelligence is that one of the tasks of the uh, security services is what we are calling anti-espionage. Uh, And in order to find one spy out of six million Jews, It's quite, it's quite a job. So uh, we have our methods of wetting uh, when you are applying for a high security job, etc. And of course we have intelligence gathered by uh, those who are suspecting your behavior or something like that. We are following it. Till now, I think that you cannot say that there are not spies in Israel or whatever, but I can, I can tell you that most of them were revealed and uh, captured by uh, the Israeli service. Now, Shin Bet, non-political, apolitical, Absolutely. independent. Absolutely. But in your job, you thought, oh, I really have to be a politician. I cannot take this anymore. So you decided to become a member of the Knesset in 2013. I've got so much to do and say. Yeah. So you joined Yesha Tid, so you did become... A politician. Yeah, it took me quite. It took me more than twenty years to decide. And when uh, Mr. Lapid, Yair Lapid, came with Yeshatid, I thought that I can deliver, and I can change things that I thought, and I am still thinking, that are uh, uh, have to be changed in Israel. I am quite disappointed because the political system doesn't let you, really to do things that you think that it's for the benefit of your country or citizenship. I tried. I was a minister of the uh, uh, science, uh, technology and space for two years and then a member of the Knesset opposition. <coughs> While being a minister you can do something mm. and you can achieve something but you need a lot of time. In the opposition it's a kind of shouting and trying to change, and the success is quite uh, minimal. So Yesh Atid has now merged in a blue and white coalition. Uh, I'm making an assumption here that uh, you truly are the opposition to a prime minister who has come to dominate Israeli politics. Mm-hmm. Do I detect a frustration in the fact that really the fact that you think you can't do with anything is because he is so dominant at the moment, Netanyahu? I have to uh, start and tell you that Mr. Netanyahu is one of the most talented persons that I ever knew. I know him for more than 30 years. The guy is a magician. The problem is that he is not taking his efforts or putting his efforts 
as far as I see, in the right direction. Because he's uh, uh, the most uh, uh, capable speaker. He's the most capable and creativity man. But he cannot walk with people around him. He is rude. And he is sometimes without shame. And he led the uh, Israeli society to, a, uh, to places which are not the right places. People are without patience. People became more racist. And they, um, I think that after 10 years, more than 10 years, it's a time to change the government. That doesn't say that he is not a uh, successful or a very knowledgeable politician. Now, the coalition, which is now the uh, partnership between Gantz, Lapid, and Yalon, is a very uh, strange one because you can find there every political view that you would like to find. Right, extreme right, moderate right, left, extreme left, center. They're declaring about themselves that they're a center government. Mm-hmm. Now, if there is a chance that they will replace Netanyahu, there is a good chance that they would, would make or, or compose a uh, reasonable government. But let me tell you, unfortunately, that I think that the chances are not high. Because uh, um, if the small parties of the finance minister, Kahlon, and the uh, ex-defense minister, Lieberman, will pass and they uh, uh, go into the Knesset, enter the Knesset, uh, I think they will recommend the president to be to uh, be to elect Netanyahu, though, though there is a recommendation to indict him. But I, I hope that I'm wrong, but that's the reality. Israeli politics. Yeah. And the Prime Minister, Yaakov, has been involved in implementing a new Jewish nation-state no. law. Yaakov, no. what's your take on this? Well, it's one of the uh, 13 basic laws that were till now uh, produced, but um, it's a very important law in the sense that it declares that Israel is the home, home state of the Jewish nation and Hatikva is our anthem and uh, Independence Day is a holiday day, etc., which in that part is very important I, and I support it. But it downgrades minorities in Israel. Don't forget that we have in Israel 20% of our population are Arabs, are minorities. And in our declaration of independence, we declared that there will be equality, equality for everyone who lives and obeys Israeli laws, etc. This law downgrades minorities and of course they are very 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 angry about this law and we have to correct these paragraphs to bring back equality to minorities in Israel as it was stated in the Declaration of Independence. Equality works when the population is 20% but when it's 40% then we start getting a demographic problem. Is this the basis of the implementation? 
You, you may be right, but uh, nowadays we are still 20, and if we are not going to advance in the peace process, it will not be 40, it will be 60, <laughs> see, a majority against 40% of Jews. So we have to rush. We have to, first of all, to correct to equality and parallelly to go uh, to a peace process which will separate those who can be in the near future the majority in our land. But when it's the majority in our land, there won't be equality for Jews. For sure, for sure. So uh, that's the essence, that's the uh, uh, why it is so important to rush as much as we can with the peace process, with the separation between Palestinians and Arabs and Jews. Now, you were appointed, and we just touched on this uh, earlier, the Ministry of Science, Technology and Space, a post that you held until the end of 2014. And of course, Israel is on the way to the moon at a distance of 37,000 kilometers from Earth. Bereshit's selfie camera took a picture of the Earth. It was tweeted. And for the first time, we can see from space an Israeli flag with the text, Am Yisrael Chai. What does this say about the state of Israel after 70 years? Well, the state of Israel is uh, the leading country, one of the most fantastic uh, countries in what concerns science, medicine, uh, uh, cyber technology, uh, startups, creativity. I think that we are doing miracles. Uh, We have our reasons because we are training our youth in the army, they are going out very, very experienced and talented, and the Jewish brain is working 24 hours, sometimes more than 24 hours a day. And we are very, very successful in that sense. The high-tech in Israel is booming. Uh, Compared to other countries, Israel economy is uh, very stable, and um, in that sense, Israel, you have to you, you you have to be an Israeli, very proud on Israel, very proud on these these achievements. Politics spoils it a little bit, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you cannot you cannot satisfy them all. But uh, well, being the minister of uh, science, technology, and space was quite a uh, an unbelievable uh, enjoying. Uh, enjoyment and, and, and pleasure and uh, the pity was that we were thrown out of the government after two years but that's politics and uh, if I would stay for longer I think that the achievement were as as much as we could yeah it's it's uh, really and the amount that the government is financially is uh, um, investing it is a Really, not 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 much. It's all by private investors and private organizations, and uh, the success is uh, amazing, amazing, really amazing, beyond beyond our uh, imagination. Amazing. Yeah. We talked briefly before the tape started rolling about the new state solution, Sergeant Benjamin Anthony and uh, Brigadier General uh, Mira Vivi. They have their ideas. Yeah. What is your route to peace with Palestine? Is it containment 
for another generation, or is there something genuinely out there that can break the impasse? The Americans are coming with a very pro-Israel Donald Trump administration. Can they do what no other administration has done before? First of all, I hope, but uh, yeah, we need a lot of patience. And Israelis and Jews, excuse me for the year, uh, have no patience. It will take a generation or two generations or even more. But somebody has to start. Mm-hmm. Now, the new state solution is a very good start. But in order to mobilize it, in order to uh, put it on ground, you need of a lot of uh, background preparations. Now, the uh, Trump plan is probably based on what we have called the Clint- Clinton uh, plan, which says that the Jewish settling blocks will stay and we will compensate the Palestinians for territories that the blocks have taken. Now, I don't know where are we going to bring from our the compensation. That's another question. Now, as I mentioned before, we are sharing with the uh, big, moderate uh, countries, uh, Arab countries, some interests that can build a what we are calling a uh, regional uh, conference, and we can start and working. It has to be gradually. It cannot be something that it will be done uh, from today to tomorrow. I mean, it will have to take a lot of uh, time, a lot of uh, patience, a lot of compromises. Now, as far as I know, and it's, of course, questionable, uh, the uh, Trump administration will ask from Israel a lot of compromises. If I am right, and Mr. Bintanyahu will be still the prime minister, he will say, well, it's a uh, plan that could be discussed based on his knowledge that the Palestinians will refuse it. So maybe there will be a kind of start, negotiations, because in the other side, in the Palestinian side, there are people who are seeking for peace. Not all of them, as in the other side, the Israeli side. But I think it's an Israeli and a Palestinian and a world interest to end or to come to a kind of a separation between Israel and the Palestinians. Israel will not be able to exist, to flourish, to advance, if there will not be a solution for the Palestinian issue. The young in Judea and Samaria, the West Bank for the Palestinians, are sick of their leadership. We have hope for the under-30s, don't we? Yeah, yeah. They are sick of their leadership. Not all of them are seeking peace. Mm. Some of them are seeking to throw us into the Mediterranean. Mm. I mean, it's not all peace lovers. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a chance with the younger generation. By the way, same goes with the younger generation in Iran. They are fed up, fed up from their leadership, and they want to change. So there is a hope in the uh, near future. But nobody will, can, can be, I mean, be a prophet and say, well, it will happen. Now, you resigned from the Knesset about a year ago. No imminent return for you into politics as such. So what's next for you? Or, or uh, are you going back into politics? No, I'm not going back to politics. I had it enough. I had enough. 
I'm partner in a company which does um, business intelligence, and I'm happy, and I'm traveling a lot, and I'm uh, trying to live my last third of my life <laughs> quite peacefully. But I am very much involved in what's going in Israel. I'm uh, still involved in uh, happenings in our service and in the, the intelligence community and security issues. And I'm volunteering a lot, human causes, uh, Holocaust survivors, uh, music, uh, etc. So I'm quite happy. Yaakov Perry, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Thank you so much to him for giving me his time. My name's Johnny Gould. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Look back through SoundCloud and via Apple Podcasts for all the stuff I've done so far. And thank you for listening.